Hi, my name is Imani. My name is Andrea, and you're listening to Raise Your Words. Today we have a really special guest with us, and her name is Amali. All right, so Amali, why don't you introduce yourself for our listeners who, you know, don't know who you are? <laughs> um, so once again, my name is Emily. Amani, Amali. There's a lot of names. Um, <laughs> what is in a name? That rose line. Uh, Rosebelly. I. <laughs> I am a first year um, high school teacher. I'm trying to remember what my profession is. Uh, high schools, history, social studies teacher, geography, a lot of things. Again, what is in a name? Um, I also uh, am an aspiring and more so like hobby because I don't like to put more into it than what I resulted in. Um, person who writes plays and minorly directs and makeup artists I literally pick a different hobby and I obsess over it until I can kind of feel like I've completed it uh so there's a lot of things yeah so that's just like a little bit I guess I'm gonna I be very off track really relate to that <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of plays you like you mentioned you directed a play at Duke and Jay with a friend can you tell us a little bit more about the play like what it was called and what it's about yeah so it was um interactive dinner theater uh it was called games of love and I am obsessed as most people are with the bachelor but not in like the romanticized like oh my god it's so pretty um I love it so much I think it's a hot mess and I think it's a psychological thriller because in all honesty it's kind of like RuPaul's Drag Race where you can really tell what the the producers kind of want to happen um so I'm always fascinated by watching it because unlike a competition based show like a normal one there's so much like there are times where people really get wrapped up into it and I think it's funny um so I always imagined um I'm someone who always looks at the characters first and um what I want the grand result to be before I look at where they start so I wanted the grand result to be that there was this girl who was the bachelorette who just was not enjoying her time and um through a bunch of twists and turns you realize that no one is what they say they are no one really is in love with who they say they are and i wanted it to be one of those stories i like the idea of having stories that as much as i love hallmark movies don't have completely perfect endings for each person like they're not um easy to figure out they're not easy to predict because i feel like when something's easy to predict i lose interest so really looking at complicated endings. So there were love triangles, there was love lines, there was just bits that made no sense. And um, in terms of like before you learned the end of it. So in the end, it's all about who poisoned um, the front runner bachelor contestant because she's the bachelorette. So one of her men who poisoned the front runner. Um, he's alive, he's just not doing well. Um, and uh, <laughs> who truly is going to win her heart and who will be the person of the next season, which oftentimes, when she gets towards the end of the show, if you've ever watched The Bachelorette or The Bachelor, um, it becomes like a competition of like, yeah, we're all fighting for love, but like, there's a point where everybody's just fighting for their own season and like to justify why they, why you should remember them. <laughs> um, so it was, it was very exciting. It was a bit of a comedy. But in love. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly what I think that show it this season is even worse, but this season is different because I don't think anyone likes this girl. But um, you know, you you live and you live <laughs> you, you live through the experience, I guess. It's just one of those things. <laughs> All right. So how did you get into script writing? I ever since I was really little have been fascinated by movies. Um, I didn't really like to read, so I'm not gonna say books. Um, I do now, but when I was younger I didn't. Um, and I used to always figure them out really quickly. And I also love the ideas of like fairy tales and coming up with my own stories because I didn't necessarily see a lot of storylines that I felt like I could fit into, right? So like when I would daydream or have a dream or something, I'd always want to think of things that I could see myself in. And or like it'd have to be more complicated than that. And I was always thinking of it very realistically. Like, even when um, I loved One Direction and I was obsessed with Harry Styles, but even when I would try to tell my parents that I would marry Harry Styles, I had to think of, like, a way that made sense to me. And it would be this, there was this five-year plan, 
And it was the most intricately long thing because I wanted something that I thought could check out. Because I feel like stories where there's so many details that don't make sense and you have to just kind of believe it are so annoying. And they were so just like irritating to me because I'd be like, but that doesn't make sense. No one would act that way. I feel like I have such a good sense of people, especially as a kid where I'd be like, no. So even with my plans for like Harry Styles, I'd be like, no, he has to have this would happen to his life, which would force him to go into solitude, which he'd want to find a quiet place to go to, but he wouldn't find so Like there were so many things I'd check into. So then <laughs> when I started getting into theater and I loved um, theater in high school, just taking theater classes and then once I started I'm at TCNJ one of the big things is that I wanted to join ACT all college theater and after I saw that there were so many opportunities for students to write things I became enamored with the idea of finding my place and forging a place for me I feel like although I really did find a lot of friends and a lot of great opportunities in all college theater I as a Muslim woman never felt like a lot of the roles or a lot of the even the ideas of the plays were things that I could fit into like I always felt like I had to find a way for my hijab to fit into the narrative so the idea of writing my own and taking that directorial that writer spot was something that was kind of the way I saw myself finally being able to make something and make a space for me and make a space for others to feel like they can have this opportunity to grow. So when I heard that um, interactive dinner theater was coming up and I had tried to the previous year to propose for one acts, I didn't get in because I didn't have an experience. And interactive dinner theater was normally easier to propose to because it's so much more work, more people don't make them. So I really worked hard to make a script that I felt like I could sell and that I could make and that would help gain credibility so that I can continue the trajectory I was going on. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. But even now, I'm not in college theater, obviously, because I graduated. Um, but I still have that strong connection to it because I really found something that I enjoy. It's a, it's a hobby that lets me think. It lets me explore different ideas. And when I have those like conversations in the car with myself where I'm thinking about like this other person's life, it helps me kind of put that energy somewhere and kind of help it become something more people can appreciate rather than just thinking I'm a crazy person who talks in their car late at night. <laughs> you know, just like talking real, real, like real, like real out loud, you lower the window. Like, well, that being said, um, you know, is that how you like also got into improv? You know, like just trying to build that or like, you know, making your own, like trying to write your own plays? Yeah. I got into improv when I was a freshman in high school. Mm. Um, and I remember the they had made an announcement at lunch and I had a bunch of weird ragtag friends. I loved them to bits because I feel like that's how it worked. And I remember I was just like, okay, like I didn't really know what that meant. All my friends love Monty Python. So I was like, I don't, also didn't know what that was at the time. So I was just going along with it. And the reason I liked it is because I have such intense anxiety, but at that point I was fully in denial about it. So I really liked the idea that I didn't have control over anything. Because as a control freak, it was very freeing to be able to do something like a scene where I was really good at thinking quickly and I normally think very non-linear and I can connect everything in my head but most people can't so it kind of worked for improv because I was really good at adapting and then twisting it into something you wouldn't expect because legit I just don't think in a way that more people <laughs> connect thoughts I just think too quickly <laughs> um so it was something that was good sorry no you're good um <laughs> Sorry, uh, did I cut you off or? No, 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 no. Okay. you're good. All right. Um, speaking of which, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your plays, especially the one that you were talking about called Messages? Yes. Yeah, so um, Messages was a one act that I was meant, um, I actually proposed, got selected, even casted it um, pre-COVID. And then once we'd finished casting, COVID was really ramping up and we were very hesitant and then the school shut down and I just kind of we were going to do something over the summer but I was like you know what I'm going to work on this a little bit more um messages originally tells a story about um Isla which is this very had it all together for most of their life type person who's in a career 
who's in their mid-20s doing the thing that we're all supposed to be doing, supposedly, um, and isn't realizes that they're not happy and that something's missing. And Grayson is her ex-boyfriend from college. The two of them met in a very interesting situation. He was more of a free spirit, not the brightest, but a very compassionate person. And um, they work well for a very long time. But at one point, once they're graduated, shortly after, it just stops being super easy. And she, she just feels like it's not meant to be. And she gets scared. Um, and uh, her best friend, Samantha, her and her um, fiance had been friends with them. It was like a group of four. And um, Samantha's fiance had even gone on to um, start a business with him. So they're still very connected, but Grayson had gone on, dated another girl, um, and he reaches out to her out of the blue. So the whole play takes place um, when Samantha and Isla meet for coffee and something's wrong and there's an elephant in the room and they're not discussing it. And once Samantha leaves for the first point, which is very early on in the play, um, Isla sees Grayson because he enters the coffee shop and they start talking and you can tell through their conversation that it's like the story of two people that are just not, that are really, if circumstances were better at the time, would have stayed together. But now things might work out, but there's something not right. There's something in the way they're speaking, there's something in the way that they're communicating that just doesn't work. And it's kind of awkward and it's a little uncomfortable and he's reminiscing and she's trying to emotionally stop the conversation at any which way she can. Um, and it's, there's a twist. Um, it's very emotional and it has multiple elements to it, which I really wanted to look at the idea of love being in multiple forms. So one, the love that they're thinking of revisiting between the two of them or even rekindling in the moment um, but also the love of two friends and being in that position when you're in Samantha's position where you can't figure out when is it gone too far when do you have to speak up when do you have to use your words when do you have to take control of the situation and have that awkward conversation um, and it's really emotional it's actually one of those ones that a lot of people a lot of my friends because I I mean, Amani knows um, in person and and you've probably gathered from it, Andrea. Um, I'm very, I tend to be bubblier <laughs> when I'm out with others. So when people read this, they would like, they were crying and they were like, F you, like, what the hell is this? This is rude. Like this is something where <laughs> they were like, what the I'm hell? Offended. <laughs> Especially cause the one I had written before was so funny and it was lighthearted. Yeah, there was twists and drama, but it wasn't like this. And this is really the type of writing I enjoy, which is that emotional, multiple layered stuff. I 100% agree. It, it adds layers because it's kind of like music where like, I loved, I loved Igor from Kyle oh, the Creator. Yeah. And like, people are like, oh, it's so immature because it talks about like toxicity of like loving someone who's in a relationship that's not open with their sexuality. And I'm like, yeah, but that happens to people. And just showing those raw emotions through um, any form of art, it's just, it just, it's nice because it's not only relatable, you feel seen. And it's, again, it's raw. You can understand it. And, you, and in a way, you, it helps you heal during those, like, processes in life. Like, when I heard some of those tracks, I was just like, damn, I'm in tears. Even with Ariana's new album, POV, I cried because it's like, yeah. you know, the idea of just, like, how... I mean, for her, it was her recent boy, boyfriend. But for me, it's like friends, even also meeting you as well. It's like, what do you see in me that I can't see in myself? And hopefully I can love myself love how my friends and especially you see me you know and it's as and it's raw because it's like shit I've been there before and I'm still going through it so that's that's the beauty of it you know like if I could never relate yeah. to art I don't know what I would do <laughs> I would probably make it exactly <laughs> and that brings us it, to our next one which is uh who inspires you in terms of playwrights and just I guess screenplays I feel like oddly enough I'm inspired by a lot of different storytellers and a lot of different people. Um, 
one of the ones that I actually watched um, when I was first came to TCNJ was um, Stop Kiss, which is by Diana Sun. And I watched it with my friend and we were first front row. My One of my really close friends at the time, um, who I was like enamored by, was the lead. And it tells a story about two women who fall in love. Um, but in the very beginning, you know that one of them is physically like injured very badly and it goes past present past present and it, until the two storylines connect but you basically see the story of them finding each other growing comfortable with each other falling in love with each other while at the same time seeing one's recovery after this violent incident has happened and and all the stages of grief and all the ways that the relationship gets more complicated due to the fact that she's injured and the weight of it and you find out it's through a hate crime um and the very end of the play is where you kind of meet in the middle between the past and the present which is when the, it actually happens which is right before right after they kiss for the first time on this park bench the hate crime occurs and that's the way it ends you don't see the crime play out but you see the moment right before which is why it's so powerful through the whole piece it kind of makes you rethink and connect everything because you're seeing them fall in love while you're seeing them at the same time rebuild this relationship because this incident has kind of thrown a, a dagger in it and I feel like that was one of the first instances that I felt super supremely moved by something and in it kind of hurt and it was kind of ugly I remember at the end I felt like such a jerk because I cringed because there was like the way the mic set up they were making out and I just hate the sound of sloshing but I was also in tears and I laughed a little because I was like this hurt really bad but it was so it wasn't I don't I feel like when I was younger I used to read a lot online um as one does when they don't want to pay for books and I used to hate the books that would throw something really tragic in it just for shock value and there'd be no elaboration or someone would do something very messed up but there'd be no reasoning why it didn't fit their character at all it, it made no sense and I'm not saying that people's actions always have to make sense but oftentimes you can kind of deduce why someone does something and I feel like the the plays and the things I like the most are the ones where things happen really hard difficult shit life happens kind of moments but they make they're so well kind of woven into the plot and into the the world that they've created that it hurts you that much more because you really feel the emotion and the power and the impact as if you were there because you understand the true weight of what has just happened and what has just unraveled because it does make sense and it hurts how much it makes sense especially when a character that you appreciate has this like majorly flawed moment like that's why when you watch wicked right everybody loves it and it's one of my favorite musicals um because these characters are so deeply human yet so deeply flawed and when they're making these decisions and when the ending is not perfectly happy and is so complex and complicated it makes you rethink everything that you've seen already and it makes you rethink the context of the wizard of oz like the love story between fiero and alphaba you're like shit like that is so messed up and it doesn't fully work and they try so hard and it's still not perfect and they're still not fully happy but they're content in their situation and when they take those actions it feels like the weight is that much more significant because you know what they're working against but you also know that these are things that they've been dealing with and battling with for so much longer than the decision that they've made that than the moment that they made this split decision to act right so that's kind of what i think i'm i'm most drawn to and what i try to emulate or in integrate in my writing as much as possible oh, that, make, that makes sense because yeah, oh that's right. gone i can see that <laughs> one at a time <laughs> right you know one at a time <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I can definitely see that through, like, what you described to me was, like, your plot and everything. It is definitely noticeable that, um, like, the characters are just 
like everyone has a motive for why they are doing what they're doing and there's some sort of reasoning behind it which I really appreciate because like you said I also hate when a character does something out of character and it makes absolutely no sense which I can name numerous tv shows that have done this and it makes me so mad whenever I see this happening uh. oh <laughs> Yeah, I was I was gonna segue. Uh, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, down. sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the segue in was um, you know you talk you I mean Bravo for like being very deep on that was um, I guess the question I guess I'm wanting to ask is like you know what is like being a Muslim woman in improv and teaching since you talked about like works that you felt touched that you know maybe things you're not ready for so I guess I'm asking essentially that was. Um, you know what? What is even also looking for, like also also looking for uh, representation for being a Muslim woman is this? I think I would say I don't know if it's hard nowadays, but quite challenging. Uh, so, like, how do you feel? Although seeing works that you could resonate emotionally, what about you trying to resonate more in like other points um, emotionally and spiritually through uh, improv and uh, teaching? For me, I feel like with teaching, it's it's a little hard. It's complicated because there's so many things that I sometimes really are, are I'm trying to engage with because I teach very complicated issues as of today. Like I'm mainly teaching US one, and when you're teaching US one, which is if you most people wouldn't know. Um, it's from sexualism and slavery all the way into like the 1920s. So we are going to be discussing so many of the issues in terms of inequality and inequities that we have in society and kind of where they stem from. So for me, it's hard because I am someone who's very religious and really thinks about faith and, and like making sure I'm true to my faith and that kind of thing. But when I'm teaching such heavy topics like these, my mentality, which is that, you know, God has a plan and that whatever is happening is the best in that kind of situation, it's hard to convey that, that not optimism, but that, that reflection aspect. Because sometimes I'm teaching things and I'm like, not only is this messed up, you won't understand for some of you the full weight of why. And you won't, once you understand the full weight of why, so many of you will become very just depressed and angry. And it's hard to kind of go through all those stages to really feeling you understand reality as much as you can and having hope that there's a better plan for it. Because I feel like right now, a lot of them either don't understand the issues, which I mean, I teach at a school that's predominantly white in a pretty affluent area. So a lot of them don't understand the idea of white privilege. But at the same time, I have students that are African-American who I know one of them really does understand that. And the older they get, the more angry they get and the more that they feel like that the world is messed up. And there's all these things that I completely support with. And I understand that it's up to them to kind of choose how they want to see the world but I almost want to make sure that they don't lose faith that better things can happen I feel like that's the the jump too is that so many people kind of lost faith in that um and that they don't have any hope left which is kind of hard to teach um especially because I don't want to like I'm not trying to indoctrinate them I don't want to spread religious values not that but I mean just the idea of that optimism that comes with it that faith that something better can and will happen if you meet someone halfway. Um, and at the same time, with like switching gears a little bit, um, I also just don't see that representation for myself. Like even beyond my my ideals, there are not really any Muslim staff at my school. There is no Muslim people really in my area in the professional sense. Like I know Muslim people. Um, but most of them don't wear hijab, so it's not like I see myself in the professional community. So I feel like I constantly am having to establish and set the tone for the space. Like, ironically, for this school, I was one of the first students to wear hijab. There was another girl in my year. It was me and her. We were the first ones, I think, ever. I set the tone for what it meant to be a student with hijab. I set that all up. 
and then I left and then I came back and I'm setting that same precedent for a staff member and I mean there has been there was one Muslim staff member before while I was a student she was let go um she wore hijab and it was a complicated issue but like I feel like I am constantly being I am constantly holding that weight on whereas like even in the theater space beyond improv improv is something where if I told even other Muslim men, like freshman year, I remember I was I met this boy and I was talking to him and he was like, oh, and I said something about improv. And he's like, no, really. Like it's it's even just being a woman, then it's being Muslim where they don't necessarily think that you should be doing stuff like that. So it's constantly having to set up spaces for myself and, and integrate spaces for myself. Like even when I was in ACT this past year, I had the opportunity to finally act in a main stage production, which I normally didn't try out for because I felt like none of the roles really could accommodate the fact that I wore hijab and that I'm Muslim, right? And it wasn't even just because it was like a romance. It was like a romance or it was something where I was like, ooh, can't wear those outfits. Wouldn't be able to fit that in. And I almost felt like I took myself out of the running before I even presented myself in front of a director. Whereas by the time I finally did it, it was Cold Love and Information. It was a bunch of short scenes that had nothing to do with one another. And they all centered around love and information. And that was the first time where someone had chosen me. And I was like, just you know, can't make out with anyone. There's a lot of making out. Not kissing. Not kissing. I was like, no kiss, kiss. Um, then he was like, that's fine. And uh, I had to caress someone's face. Which I now know I'm very I'm awkward. <laughs> my body language like, does not support those like, actions. Oh, she must be mad at you. Everybody... Like, no, I'm just resting my arms. Like I don't know where to oh. put my hands. I don't want to put it in my pockets and be like an awkward teenager. When I, when I tell you, there was someone who at one point in my life, very long time ago, I was at one point romantically interested in, and they tried to give me tips after watching it on how to press a man's face correctly so that I wouldn't look as uncomfortable. And I was like, you know what? Thank you. And then just a sheer amount <laughs> of embarrassment. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I don't, I hope I never need to use this advice. I felt so bad for that guy. I constantly was like putting hand sanitizer on because I was like, what if I give him acne on his face when I'm judging his face It reminds so me of a story. So I'm sorry, no, go on. It, it reminds me right. of a story from um, high but... school from this one girl. No, go on. Because they're talking about something really important and we're just being like, oh yeah, kissing stories. <laughs> Relatable. Hashtag all the kids and Gen Zs. <laughs> Listen, all the kids at Gen Z, like, I'm a very awkward person, but that was the first time I actually felt like, I was like, wow, I can belong yeah. in a space like this. But still, I felt like, I was like, I want to make sure that even though I'm not the best at acting, like, I will fully say that. No need to confront me. My mom even told me I was not the best, but I did get by. Um, and I felt like even then, I was always so nervous that, like, someone was going to see me and think either... I didn't fit the role or just that they would base everything they know about Muslim people off of me. So every time I would work with others, I'd be trying so hard to be like this happy, flexible person. I do this in every, I feel like, field where I'm always trying to be this like person that is so pleasant that I hide and internalize so many negative things because I just try to problem solve because I don't want you to associate Muslims more broadly and Muslim women with that negative emotion. To the point where, like, I remember one day I missed practice because I had work. And the amount of weight and, and guilt I had for doing that was intense. And the next day I was told that the director wanted to speak with me. And I remember I had, like, a, in, I almost threw up. I was, like, so panicked because I was, like, they finally realized that I am not qualified for this. And that I either bring, like, something down. I was trying to think of what I might have done wrong. And it was something as simple as he was like, oh, we just really missed you yesterday. Like your energy Aww. wasn't there. And it was surprising. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like in my head, I'm like, you could literally do this so much better if it wasn't me, but there's still something that you see in me that's positive. And I feel like as someone who's constantly trying to do that, it was nice to finally feel like, oh, I actually was successful in making this positive impression and making the space feel better for me like maybe not with my talent no offense to me I will not get an Oscar this year however 
I feel like the fact that people remembered me in a positive way and not being oh, she's such a beach. diva. You should have saw her <laughs> she in was the still last one. Oh my goodness, she was just like I know. No, no, no. I want the I want the I want the hijab in glitter, not gold, not silver, but in copper. Yeah. Oh my god. The pink essence. <laughs> in copper. Yeah. Like I was just like just constantly stressed. Like, oh oh my yeah. God, they had to costume. I forgot those days. They had to get I feel that. Like, yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's rough when you're, like, the only one who's wearing a job and you're, like, man, I really hope I make a good impression. And that pressure, too. Like, I mean, I mean, I should talk as I'm a white cis woman, yeah. but, you know, I, for what I've seen, observe, and meeting people in my life was, I think it's just also that pressure of, like, you know, you, you feel that you need to represent that the, the part of your group and your culture and spirituality and it's 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 a lot of pressure and sometimes like again like can I be myself and like oh if I do this I'm gonna give this wrong impression etc or the worst is when someone goes to you and asks like the most like really rude questions but even even not even rude questions you still have that pressure of like okay it, it needs to be exact and if it's not it's gonna spread like a parasite and then everyone's gonna think the same thing you know, exactly. so there you go. See, yep. this white girl can learn. Exactly. She, she's she's what the kids say. Well, eventually. <laughs> Which. <laughs> oh, you need to be. Okay. Um, which actually brings us to our. <laughs> which actually uh, brings us to our next one. And um, what is it like teaching during COVID? I know it's obviously a very stressful time. But how is it having, like, students half on Zoom and half, like, in the classroom? Or I don't know what your school is doing, but... So, right now, it's kind of turning into, like, a quarter full-time remote. And then, like, 50, sometimes 50% are not... It depends on the class. They're very divided. Um, But we have technically hybrid learning where group one comes in two days a week. Group two comes in two days a week. Wednesday is a virtual day. Um, And for me, it kind of feels like, you know, everybody's house is on fire, right? So everybody's burning on fire, um, smoke, ventilate, everything's bad. So for me, it feels like as a first year teacher, very not as stressed because everybody doesn't know what's going on. So for me, I feel like, huh, like I have some room to do some experimentation because I can actually help someone this year because no one knows what's happening. So if I know at least I know some technology, not a lot, let's be clear. I am only getting by, but I know enough technology stuff that I can like help with certain things. Like I know a lot about technology programs. So for me, my whole specialty when I was in um, college was like, um, multiple lesson plan integration formats and making sure that students could have everything at the same time and just different uh, ways to administer assessments. So I have and remember all of these things. So when I am trying to fix activities and make it more user-friendly and tech-friendly, it's easier for me to think of solutions, especially because I don't have the pressure of having pre-made materials everything I'm making for the most part is either something that I was given because we're all doing like a similar unit plan or something I'm making completely from scratch. So because I don't even try to adapt something old in some cases, it it allows for me to move very fast. And also like ever since I was um, in high school taking ed classes, my heart has always, and my my talents or my skill set has always been with curriculum development and making activities and reintegrating and, and reevaluating ways things work and making things more effective so for me this has kind of been like a good year in the sense that it's very stressful don't get me wrong i am constantly afraid for my own life i'm constantly afraid for my students lives because i really do care for them and i worry for them as like some of them get tested positive or came in contact with someone positive i'm constantly thinking about that piece but for me the teaching side at least it feels comfortable in that I can continuously just expect myself to keep adapting. I don't have to feel like I am thinking too hard on how one thing went because I'll be very honest with myself and feel like that wasn't effective, um, but we'll change it and we'll adjust and we'll do this, right? So because everybody's having this hard time, I feel more comfortable in admitting that. But at the same time, when I find myself when I'm teaching, my biggest concern is I'm really focusing on that social emotional growth. 
because so many of them have been isolated or continue to be isolated. And I really want to make sure that we have that personal connection so that not only do they feel comfortable coming to me with issues now, but in the future, and if they have any questions or even just as we go switching to remote and as students are switching independently to remote, some of them feel like, some of them feel like um, they have to like come with me with different issues that they have um, and that we can meet privately. And that's something that's great to see because they might not feel like they have that personal connection when we're all on a Zoom call together, especially because the Zoom call kids, I try to get, I try to let them leave earlier than the people in person, obviously. So for me, it it's, could be better, could be worse. I'm just right now trying to make sure that I'm doing the best I can for them um, and that they are really feeling like their time is valuable. Uh, as much as sometimes they will come to me and say, wait, are we learning today? <laughs> Child, we have been learning for two months. Like we have gone, we have almost finished a unit. I, and they, they are learning. I can tell they're learning, but they don't think that they're learning, which you know what, at this point I'm fine with it because <laughs> if they're just slowly retaining information and skills, that works fine. Like we have different inventive programs and yes, is my class seem a little bit more chaotic? Of course. Do I have a Harry Styles themed incentive board? For some reason, the boys in my class are obsessed with Harry Styles. I think they think it's funny. This whole class thinks it's funny, but the joke has gone so far at this point that we're just never stopping. Um, so for me, I'm like, you know what? So, so if they get five different Harry Styles, which means that they've handed in their assignment on time as a class, or slightly before the next time we have class because the the our late policy as a social studies department is like you can hand in the work up until the last day of the unit with no late penalty but i'm trying to get them used to like working towards any kind of deadline because they all procrastinate and i don't want them to procrastinate everything till the end um but if we get five harry styles we can have a day where we do whatever they want right now one of my classes really wants to do karaoke um, a great incentive <laughs> it's great it's a little alarming because i'm so scared for that hall monitor who has to sit right by her door because they are tone deaf i've learned um because they got to like watch we watched music videos in the last five minutes of class because they were done for the day and they were singing one they were very appalled by um harry styles music video for golden they said that his um chest was too out and it was too alarming for them they were like nope put it away no more um and also they tried to sing Stitches by Shawn Mendes and bless their heart. It was, I was like, oof, what was that? <laughs> I oh, feel like man. I enjoyed it, but also am traumatized. It's a mixed bag. That kind of goes to the next one, which is, do you have any advice for students who want to go into script writing or playwright? I think my advice would be Find what you feel like isn't being said. What is your authorial perspective? You know, what's your, your focus? For me, I was always really focused on creating complex characters that could have, I love the idea of like romance, right? And I'm a very romance heavy writer. Um, almost everything I write has an element of romance in it. But I wanted to look at romance in a different way. And I wanted to look at relationships that worked out or were meant for each other. That idea of what is meant to be. But that life or different situations makes it more complicated and it was more realistic. So whenever I write, I try to think of those types of things. I start with the idea of a relationship. Like recently I thought of the idea of two people that um, were kind of always right wrong time but right people but now so much has changed they don't know if they know each other and I liked that concept and then I started to build characters and everything around it I feel like if you feel as if there is some kind of thing that kind of niche that kind of thing that you don't see that you want to expand on or something that you do see but you want to take a slightly different direction Focus on that to start off with. Really think about why you're doing it. Really psychoanalyze yourself and what your motives are. And then pursue it. I mean, at that point, you could really do anything and 
it doesn't need to go to like a movie it could literally just stay with you and your friends or something that you post online but allowing yourself the freedom to explore that as cheesy and as weirdly very posh charcuterie board-esque writer sounds I think as long as you kind of exactly. try throw it at the wall see what happens no, that's exactly I things, the thing is you gotta, you gotta start it you have to like and I've accepted to, it right? it's, <laughs> that's it's like one thing like to have all these ideas like but just just do it just even write like a paragraph just get these things on paper before it's super it's too late so like even if the fear of is it good enough is it not gonna be good enough just do it just act it don't think it act it so I totally agree with you 100% there you go exactly and record yourself talking it works so well i record myself talking all the time that is very (laughs) true i was also wondering do you have any favorite musicals that you love i mean loves the wicked because wicked's so good so many layers at one point i forgot the plot to wicked and i listened to the soundtrack and i was like i completely forgot i love the song popular oh Um. i used to think that i could sing it i can't but I was addicted to trying. Especially because I like the voice that <laughs> I love Kristen's voice. Popular. You gotta be popular. It's like this weird, I don't know how to explain that tone, but it doesn't, it's something unique. Um, I love that. I love it so much. It's so, so much. So, so big thoughts. And then um, were, you I ever, also, were you ever a Hamilton fan or a Dear Evan Hansen fan? Listen, I saw Dear Evan Hansen hurts. Okay, it hurts in a new way because he's also kind of a psychopath. I have a lot of questions about Dear Evan Hansen. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of big thoughts in that one. When I watched it, I was like, you know what? This hurts my soul, but also hurts my brain in that I don't think you're a good person. <laughs> and I think we are glossing over the fact that I think he has some severe issues and we should go to some therapy. Um, but. I love Dear Evan Hansen, especially to sing it, because it's, once again, a song not in my range, but will I pretend? Yes. Um, but I also really am impartial to Legally Blonde. Oh, same. I love the movie. Agreed. Stand by Elwood. She is my icon. But the musical is great because it's literally so difficult to sing. Um, yes, do I also try and denial? Of course. It's so difficult to sing that they literally couldn't ever find anyone to replace her. Like... They never found anyone to replace Laura Balbani. Like, they had a whole TV show on MTV about finding the next Elle Woods, and they never found one capable enough because it closed shortly after they replaced her. Like, the fact that that happened is, like, the weirdest historical blip in my mind. I know, like, so much significance. It's like, when I'm bummed out, I'm just, like, I just... So those were the ones I I just, like, I remember, like, a couple months ago, uh, my girlfriend was down and out, and I just, we just watched them, like, Legally Blonde, and it just, it pumps you up, you know? It's, like, sort of, like, femininity. We met a very interesting celebrity with an interesting story. Would you like to talk about it? Yes. Um, so when I saw Mean Girls, which by the way, beautiful musical, great work, Tina Fey. Um, I, my lovely mother and I went with her two friends from when she was younger. They're cool ladies. Very cool. Nice vibes. It was a girl's day out. Um, and, uh, we had seen it the week that Cameron Dallas was taking over. I don't, we did not pick it for that reason. I just happened to find out and like, listen, Cameron Dallas did come out with a song several years ago called She Bad, though. And I used to listen to it all the time because I thought it was quite entertaining. I don't know why. Something about it, like, there are so many songs that are in the same category where, like, you just listen to it because something about it is satisfying. It was just like, she knows she bad, though. <laughs> to be like, why is she, though? Like, I have so many questions. Uh, <laughs> so many possibilities, you know? But yeah, I- there's so many. You're like, oh, what did she do? <laughs> how's she feeling um, is she doing okay <laughs> exactly like she doesn't talk about how she feels um so when i saw him to his credit he did not do as bad as people said i think that it was genuinely a good try but i felt like it was the weirdest casting because it just wasn't in his vocal range but he did okay he actually did the athletic part very well amazingly well there was one part where it's called like going full jerk mode it's at the end when she's trying to barge into the prom when she wasn't supposed to be so he has to distract people he he did that at a level of 
athleticism and stunts that was quite literally insane. Um, and when we waited stage door, I'm not really a stage door person just because I feel like it's weirdly invasive. I'm someone who likes to talk to people. I don't really like to just get a signature and leave it. Um, but I figured for the experience I would. Um, and I'd seen like a bunch of girls who were like crying because Cameron Dallas was really famous on Vine, if you didn't know. And MagCon, which was like a bunch of boys who were kind of like TikTok boys, like the Sway House. I'm, I'm hip now. Um, where they like are just like very attractive. They like had that like that whole like, haha, funny personality. Like we're so relatable and you can like attainable, even though they're not. Um, so that was supposed to be that of my generation. I didn't really catch on to that because I just was so obsessed with One Direction. Um, but he was coming and those girls were like crying and I felt like really they were so friendly so I was like you know what I don't love Cameron Dallas as much as them I'm not gonna like take this away from them and I tried to walk away but my mother you know she's a very strong holding woman I love my mother so much she was just like no you're gonna get a photo with the with him and I was like mom we don't need a photo with him what are, what is that gonna do for us in our soul nothing leave Cameron Dallas alone and he happened to walk by Cause he was just going to go, you know, live his life. And my mom was like, can we get a photo? And I was like, God, Sabrina, no, why? Please don't do this to me. And then he assumed that I wanted the photo. And at this point, I think it's funny because she wanted the photo. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Fine. And he was talking to us because we weren't in that big fan crowd. We were in the middle of the street. So he was like talking with us. He's like, yeah, how'd you like it? And I was like, yeah, it was great. I really liked when you did that athletic bit at the end. So I was like, okay, this is less uncomfortable. We're talking to him about his cute niece. And when I mentioned the the bit about his athleticism, he's like, did it look like I got hurt? And I was like, no. But what normal person asked you that? And obviously now I'm going to think you did get hurt. And I was like, did you? Like, are you okay? Do you need to be rushed somewhere? And he was just like, no. Like, everyone always asks if I get hurt. And I don't. And I don't know if it's that I just can't feel pain, but I'm fine. <laughs> like, okay. Um, love the spirit. Love the energy, the vibe. He was the nicest person. Like, to be honest, 10 out of 10 would talk to him again. He was very sweet. Um, but that really terrified me because for that moment, I felt like a mom. I felt like when I actually teach my kids where all the time they'll say things that are so concerning with no context. And then they'll like give you a little bit of context, but you still have so many more questions. Um, so I have this very uncomfortable photo. He looks great in the photo. He also looks very young. My mom thought he was 17. I think he's like, I have wow. to Google it. Hold on. He is not 20. He is not 17. He is, oh, wait for it, 26. I was like mom he's Dang. older than I am and she was like no I was like yes he's not a kid so once she learned that the whole greeting was contextualized in a whole different way for her I don't know what changed um but it was very fun and honestly I feel like it was one of those very interesting I barely meet celebrities so for me for that to be the person that I've met the longest it's quite interesting I said, when I meet Harry Styles, I'll have training now. I was going to say, what would you, how would you react if you ever meet, like, Harry Styles? Listen, I refer to him casually as a joke. <laughs> as, I would just like to clarify to everyone. <laughs> All so this started out as a joke with my family because, like, I was trying to distract whenever they'd be, like, talking about people I knew or, like, a guy that I liked from years ago. I'd be like, no, mom, I'm going to marry Harry Styles. I'm not delusional. <laughs> Me and Harry Styles are not meant to be. One, there's so many just visceral, just like celebrity-based reasons. Um, but then there's also that I feel like we're too much of the same person. So just we would get nothing done. It would just not be a productive relationship. Oh, of course, of course. Someone would have a mental breakdown and it'd probably be him. I just feel like I would break him emotionally. Um, but <laughs> if I met Harry Styles, mm -hmm. I have like a whole thing in my head to be like very calm. I'd be having a panic attack, but I don't want to freak him out. I feel like he's the coolest, dorkiest person. <laughs> I just want to be his best friend. Like, in all honesty, I watched the Golden Music video, which all the kids in my class were alarmed by, as I said. They they think that his breasticles should have been put away, in the kids' words. Um, but for me, I thought it was hilarious. One, because I hate cardio, but two, because all he's doing is running. Whenever he does these like weird clips of him dancing, they're dance moves I do. 
Like, and I do them because I'm awkward and I have no sense of rhythm. And I just like, think it's fun. Like we are the same person. And I feel like once he real, and I also have so many outfits that are very similar to him. <laughs> and I started dressing like that. You got the same haircut. You got the same like five o'clock At shadow. This point, the way that the way that I cut my hair, I, I could accidentally give myself a haircut because I just do not know how to do it. But like, we are the same, you know? We make weird noises. We talk very long-windedly, except he talks very slowly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it would vibe. We write depressing things about relationships when he hasn't even had that many <laughs> relationships. Yeah. Like, it works. Mm-hmm. We both could be in love with Louis Tomlinson. No judgment. I'd be fine with it. I'd be down for a three-way marriage. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that's what I would do. I'd probably make a fool of myself. But, like, in all honesty, like, what else are we going to expect? If I met anyone, I'd do that. Okay. Because, like, <laughs> I just had a feeling you would just be, like... <laughs> I understand. That's essentially how I was when I met... I mean, Yusuf, I was just kind of like us. <laughs> like, and the funny thing is, she was really nice about it too. Like, I was with a couple of my friends and we were just like talking to him and we had a conversation and everything. And so, like, that was a really cool story. Um, just because he was like really laid back and chill and I didn't expect him to. I expected him to kind of be that way, but I remember I like snuck into the performance late because I had other things. And I had like just put my skirt on as I was running there. And I sat there and I remember he was saying things about, he was like, anybody like, I don't, I think he asked, is anybody Egyptian? And I was one of the only people in the room who was. So I remember he kept looking to me and we were having like a conversation. And I was like, when does this end? Please stop looking. I would like to go back to sitting. I would like to go back to just not thinking and just hearing. Um, but it was very fun. And I remember I was like having like an internal meltdown. But once again, like if I could get through all of seventh grade sitting one seat away from this boy I was madly in love with. Did I know anything about him? No, but he had nice eyebrows. If I could get through sitting next to him every day and like passing, putting, I had the weirdest strategy of like putting stuff there and he'd deal. It'd be a whole thing. Mm. Um, But like, if I could do that for a whole year, I could live through any stress, you know, I'm invincible now. (laughs) God fears me. God wishes they could be me. Exactly. (laughs) That Kanye West probably thought ever. I was a sociopath, but if I could get through that, it is fine. <laughs> I was thinking about another question. Oh, okay, because it's like you talk about like like crush and whatever was um. What is one so, like one childhood crush that you had that like everyone or you told a friend or like what the hell's wrong with you? Why would you? Why would you pick that one? <laughs> Cause like that's I think cause we're on this because like I was thinking I'm like you know crushes celebrities young you know such an interesting time to go like what was I thinking but you go well we got here and we're good you know do you mean like do you do you mean specifically like celebrity crushes it could be, it any, could be like real life people any it could be real Anything, it could be not anyone. real like um I forgot I had a celebrity crush whatever you want there was a kid there was one. There is one that comes to mind. <laughs> there is one. I was in high school. There was no excuse for this <laughs> level of tomfoolery in my mind. Um, he was this like, <laughs> he was this, for, for context, it's not that you can't date someone that's shorter than you or can't be with someone who's shorter than you, but I was gotta be a full foot taller than this kid. And he was just this like, looked super young, lo- white boy who loved Juicy J, <laughs> was not that bright. <laughs> would get in fights would get in fights with my history teacher over calling her miss rather than missus <laughs> or no calling her missus rather than miss like mm-hmm. and then she started calling him by his mom's name it was like this like totally not we had nothing okay. in common mm-hmm. we had there was just everything he stood for i was against but for some reason i had this weird infatuation for him and not that he's a bad person it just would not have worked out and all my friends were legitimately like why i just don't get it there was like it was actually you know what there's so many there's <laughs> I just had terrible taste I would like I really fell for people that I felt like were interesting and they were but for for many reasons that might not have been positive 
Um, what other celebrities? I feel like there have been celebrities that I've been oddly obsessed with. Harry very Styles. Harry Styles is a, an angel. Okay, so- There's no bad reason for okay, him. Okay, not obsession <laughs> or, you know, just, just a religion. Got it. You know, all right. Just, I just should know a, my place. an appreciation. I feel like after you talking about it, I could see you in Harry Styles. Listen, <laughs> don't put these falsehoods in my <laughs> No. Don't let I, your dreams be I dreams. Let it be real. You can do it. I can... You know what? We can we can try that one. There's a girl who made a song about Harry Styles. Like, I'm waiting for a man named Harry Styles, and I might have like risked. I'm like, girl, like this is. I don't think you lost your shop. Like, good for you. Like, this is a a good try. I'm not. Um, this isn't my energy. Um, but you know, good. I feel like after being on TikTok for this whole quarantine period and seeing every One Direction clip I ever ever saw multiple years ago, um. And just seeing all these girls crying over One Direction or, like, theories, I've just really enjoyed being a passive fan. Mm. Like, do I still have a deep appreciation for Harry Styles? Of course. But am I going to go stalk him in his, like, home? No! Not until next week! Like, I feel like the realistic part of me is, like, it stops me from being, like, an intense person. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always this part of me that's, like, I want to be able to meet Harry Styles without knowing everything about him. <laughs> like, all I know in terms of facts were from fan fictions when I was a kid. And it took me months to realize that that's why those details kept coming up in every book. Mm-hmm. I thought we just all had no sense of creativity. Mm-hmm. I was like, why is the daughter always named Darcy? What the heck is with this name? And it took me three months. I was 14, three months of reading to realize that he had said that in an interview. Like, that's how dumb I was. <laughs> so now I have, like, all this, like, weird oh. amount of knowledge about him just through that mm. from when I read, like, multiple years ago. Mm. But, like, other than that, I try to, as much as I appreciate him, God bless that man. Um, but I try not, I try to keep the, the level of intensity to a slow boil, mm. slow boil. You know, like, I don't want to be on teacher TikTok for loving Harry Styles. I keep telling my kids not to put me there. It's like, please, please don't. I will, I will make a Harry Styles incentive board. Do not put me on that. I don't need that. I don't want to be on the Ellen show. <laughs> That's not my goal. Well, it could, who knows? Maybe the goal is like, you do a TikTok dance, you get famous, go on Ellen and meet Harry Styles. And then bada bing, bada boom. I see you on TMZ. You know, all I the- would genuinely, I would genuinely be like, please do not put me on air. <laughs> something about this face will ruin something no! if we go live. You have a pretty face. I will Shut do up. something so. What a pretty face! I- don't tell. Well, don't well, lie to me. What do you? I don't think you've ever seen me. So I. Oh no, you have. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I love that you're just. Super- I could be so different looking. Um, <laughs> no, I just. I also make like terrible facial expressions. Like, I just don't react well. I'd get canceled so fast. Oh, no, no, no. I would be canceled first. I've said some shit where I'm just like, this is it. Like, even in the first episode, I'm like, I, I was with my guy friends. We're like, I'm going to get canceled. And they're like, you're, you're, you're thinking too much. And I'm like, nah, man. Like, just like anything you say, like, this is going to go on the internet. This thing's going to stay here forever. Anything I exactly. say, bam, opportunity gone freaking well i mean that's a th- who knows that'd be a good fanfic you know like like you well actually the funny thing with fanfics right is oh uh, this is a weird segue is well i think what i love about like like that stuff and like nerdy and whatever it's like it keeps you young because like the thing that you got into like almost 10 years ago god oh, that's scary to think about you know there's new fans who are like that exact age you were or whatever or who are a little older and like you know they keep that alive and it, that spirit also kind of keeps you alive kind of like a kid at heart so it's just kind of nice. It's sort of like... Yeah, it mm. is quite interesting. The fact that I know that I have students who probably are reading or writing that kind of stuff is so interesting to me because, you know, it really does serve a purpose um, for that generation, for that age and that time. Um, not that you can't be older and, and reading it. I just, like, now have to read books for, like, book clubs that all the teachers are participating in and I have to force myself to read Big Brain um things that I don't enjoy but um sometimes but I feel like it's very interesting that 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 is one of those things that kind of burst out of the age of internet that I feel like most people downplay and don't really acknowledge but I think is so monumental because especially because it just does so much for young girls and young boys to be able to 
see themselves in these stories and then kind of, you know, see themselves in the scope of this world and whatever world that they're creating without the title of being officially published. Mm. That's, and that's, that's a really wonderful thing, like that what pad... Thank you again. Thank you so much, Amali, for coming on the podcast. And you can follow Amali on her on Instagram, and that's at A M A L Y E L M. So Amali Elm on Instagram, and uh, you can see all the things that she does when you know she's not here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and. Uh, Essentially, we're going to do the raise your words outro, and then we'll we can just talk for a little bit, and then you can call it a night. Thank you for joining us on this career episode. You've been listening to Raise Your Words. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or whatever you're tuning into from. We uh we are also at Raise Your Words Pod on Instagram. Once again, at Raise Your Words Pod on Instagram. Stay tuned for more. Bye bye. Stay safe. Wear your mask. Make sure to vote. Bye. Bye. bye.